holding pocket. It's time now for the chipping forecast, issued by Folding Pocket on behalf of Andrew Cotter, Eddie Pepperell and special guest Ian Carter. Hello there and welcome to 2024 and welcome to the chipping forecast once again after our very short break. We are we are back for a, I don't know, a signature edition of the Chipping Forecast. Like, Morrison's the best range. Tesco Finest, we are here. I don't know, it's not really a signature edition. It's just uh, our first edition of 2024. Um, but the PJ Tour is getting ready for a signature event, whatever that might mean. It's the signature era. Isn't it, it is the signature era. That was the voice of our special guest, who continues to be special in 2024, we hope you might get even more special. I don't know, Ian Carter is with us. Hello, Ian. I think you have to be a special guest when your host feels entitled enough to welcome everybody to the actual year, not just the pod. No, exactly. I Well, I was I was nominated as a chief welcomer to the year, the uh, leaders of, um, well, it was mostly the Western world. So I, I know there was some debate about that all countries were not involved, but I went to the UN and uh, <laughs> there was a vote, and they said, Andrew, could you welcome everyone to 2024? And I said, well, it's going to be tricky because obviously different time zones, but it, listen, I can do it on our golf podcast, which is the most popular golf podcast in the North Norfolk area between certain time uh, <laughs> slots. So um, so here I am, welcoming everyone to 2024. Eddie Pepperell uh, is here as well. Eddie, how are you? Happy New Year. I'm in a new room for the New Year, so... Um you know, you get mm. to see that on camera, which uh, this is a wardrobe that we inherited when we moved. So uh, oh. it's uh, nothing too special in there. It looks like a massive game of Tetris, your your wardrobe. So, and uh, it's just all every, all the pieces are falling at once. So again, nobody's watching this. So uh, actually people will watch this. So they might see on a clip your uh, massive Tetris cupboard. But yes, actually just before we get going, I do want to say uh, something as we, we talk frivolously and, and in silly fashion that um, I, and we didn't know and I didn't know and I, th- I thought that it might have come out that your, your cousin, Ian, who I saw very, very sad news that he died just before Christmas was, was on The Archers and why did we not know that you had a cousin who was an actor on The Archers, um, Eddie? Eddie, did you even know what The Archers was though? Well, yeah, I, I've never listened to it, but um, I obviously know what it is, and, and I knew the Ian. Uh, I didn't quite appreciate how popular he was and well respected he was as an actor. My yeah. my dad actually saw him in theatre, I think, as Hamlet uh, years and years ago, but I've never seen him. But by all accounts, he was very, very good and quite a talented guy. And uh, he hadn't been well for a little while, and unfortunately, mm. his dad, who is my uncle, passed away as well this well last year now. So a uh, bit of a tough time for the, the family, but um, it did. It was somewhat amusing when you messaged it to the group, and uh, and obviously unbeknownst <laughs> to you, he was my cousin. And and you, uh, when I told you, and you said, "Well, did he also punch a shark?" Obviously oh. referencing my lies about George Cosier, which did make me chuckle. But no, he actually was my cousin. Oh God, I felt terrible. I left the I left the WhatsApp group in disgrace, actually, and just have a little think about myself. But I, I did want to mention it because it was obviously I I uh, my my mother in law quasi quasi mother in law. She's a massive Archers listener, and she. Knew Roy Tucker was it Roy Tucker character for twenty years and he was really really popular. So anyway, it was just um, ever mentioned to someone who's actually had quite an impact on people. He was very very popular. So um, that was very sad news. Um, Ian over uh, Ian has gone from Christmas. I think Ian is a bit of a cliche because he is going <laughs> oh, into January. He's going into January as just this fitness regime because every message I see is 
he's either got a new piece of equipment or he's cycling. Were you cycling this morning? I was cycling this morning, yeah. Um, a quick w- a whip around one of the royal parks this morning. Um, very, very nice as well. A uh, lot of lot of branches down after all those winds. Mm. Um, and, yeah, lovely. No, I'm, I, I don't think it's a cliché. Um, well, it is a cliché, but it is something that I tend to do every year is just try and get a bit of renewal and make resolutions of fitness and all that kind of thing. And we'll just see how long they they last. But here we are, we're January the third, and we're we're still going strong. You got a you got a paddle bat as well. I did, did you? Yes, paddle. Yeah. All this talk about um, whether I'd get a like a launch monitor or potentially the Pro Sender to you know really work on my. In the end, I just thought, do you know what? I'm going to get a new paddle bat because um, I really enjoy my paddle. But I am committed to to my golf. Christmas Eve, there was a, a significant improvement on previous uh, rounds. So we're trending in the right direction. And um, long may it continue, Andrew. I feel a little bad because I think I said a few episodes ago that I'd buy you the Pro Sender, Ian, and I uh, haven't yet got around to that. So I just need a mm. decent result and then I'll uh, and there'll be one in the post. But talking of the weather yesterday, Andrew, um, I don't know about you, but me and Jen, we declared yesterday's dog walk as the worst we've ever experienced. We did as well. Yes, we were. Oh, it was. It, I mean, it, it, listen. There are some people in the. Actually, Scotland's not doing too badly further north. But actually, the the latest um, storm to come in, Storm Henk, Henk Golf Moose. Do you know that Henrik Stenson? Sorry, I'm going off on a tangent again. Uh, Henrik Stenson wrote a children's book. I think he just put his name to it, and someone else wrote it called Henke Golf Moose. Uh, about a, a golfing mouse called Henke. I think he wrote it himself. Did he? Oh, mm. wow. Oh, I might be besmirching his his good name here. Oh, I've read it. It's a majestic book. It's about a golfing mouse who goes off to join Liv. And, uh, <laughs> no, it, it's a, a it's really I, expensive cheese. Gets really expensive cheese uh, and puts that cheese with Alan Stanford. And, and no, it's a Henke Golf Moose. So if you have a child who reads Swedish and wants a book about a golfing mouse, then Henke Golf Moose is the one for you. So Storm Henke came in and it has been so, so wet. It's just been, uh, and we were out and Oliver and Mabel declared it the worst walk they had ever been on. They gave it only 9.2 out of 10. And it was just, it was just it was awful. Um but uh, I think it's. I think the the weather forecast for the next couple of weeks is is getting a lot sort of colder and clearer, which is the kind of winter we're looking for. So I'll be back out on the course on New Year's Eve, Andrew. We had our traditional game of celebrity charades, which involves people <laughs> around uh, the the table that you all have to put in. I think we all had to put five names in of celebrities that you then you have three rounds. The first round, you you can say as many words as you like to describe the character. Uh, the second round, uh, the, all the names go back in. and It's a brilliant game. You're only allowed to use one word and then you do actions. And then the third round is just purely actions. And one of the celebrities to go in was Mabel. What? As in, as in your dog, Mabel. Well, first of all, why did all of them not go in? But secondly, why did either of them go in? That's and also that's impossible to do. How did did anyone have to do that? I don't know. I don't know who wrote it down. We were with friends, and I, I think they were were friends who had had paid uh, like me uh, to see you on a theatre tour. <laughs> Could it not have been Mabel the pop singer? No, no, it was Mabel the dog. We were actually uh. miming, doing mimes to describe Mabel on New Year's Eve. I thought that would warm the cockles of your your chilled heart. What an insight, Eddie, into the the Hogmanay at the Carter household. Mm, that sounds different to ours, but uh, I like it. I like that game. <laughs> it's a great game. Honestly, it is a great game. 
Oh dear. Anyway, so um, good. We're looking forward to 2024. Ian is going to be starting a paddle podcast. Um, <laughs> I think there is. I, I looked up paddle podcast because there's one called the Paddle School Podcast. Is there? There's one called um, Paddle Up, which is not is Paddle Up, not. Uh, there's one called the Pad Dad. There isn't one called that. There should be though. That's that could be yours. <laughs> um, anyway, we're we're going to lose to them all at the Sports Podcast Awards, which I'm not talking about. My year's already peaked. Yesterday, I played 18 holes on the simulator at the, the Golf National, and I uh, shot bogey free five under par, hit every green. So uh, it, it can only go downhill from here for me, unfortunately. Yeah, but but it's giving you putts though. It, well, it is auto finishing putts. Yeah, I don't know how it quite works, but um, I, I sometimes I two putted from a hundred foot and felt that was very fortunate, and then occasionally I missed the odd six foot and was aggrieved by it. But um, my New Year's resolution before I go to Dubai is to play eighteen holes a day on the simulator. So uh, I'm, I'm thinking of loading up Valderrama this afternoon. So you can't play the Emirates course out there then? Is that they don't have that? One? I don't think it's on the uh, Trackman software yet, which is a shame. But there's a lot oh, of great courses on there, so. Uh, Plenty mm. to choose from. Troon is on there, so maybe I should give Troon a go. I've never played Troon. Have you not played Troon? No. Well, I mean, you could play the real Troon tomorrow if you want to go up, and I'll I've, I'll also go up and we'll play in the rain in Troon. Uh, no, we'll definitely, well, we can obviously definitely play, we can definitely play Troon sometime in, in, in real life, IRL. So that's about, we're about 12 minutes in and we've not talked about anything of any note at all. Ian, you've been, you've, I was getting messages from Ian last night. He just sent these bizarre lines that didn't seem to mean anything. And I only worked out after a while that he was watching the darts and he was sending me commentary lines from the... Well, I thought you'd be really interested because I know that, I think there might have been some plagiarism at the Ali Pali last night. Because the commentator, this is Luke Littler, and honestly, it's really captured the the imagination, hasn't it? And the commentator at one point said, and I just love this, Bish, Bosh, can he find the bash? Now, that's very close to something I heard you say, I think, at Wimbledon last year. I thought it would be, did he not, would, he, would he not have said, Bish and Bash, can he find the Bosh? Because the phrase is Bish, Bash, Bosh. The, the well-known phrase. Well, he said, Bish, Bosh, can he find a bash? Oh, he's messed that up. So I did, I actually used it, uh, that, much to John McEnroe's surprise at Wimbledon, I was anyway, I was commentating with him and Tim Henman on a match. And it was a big match. I think it was um, Alcaraz against somebody in an earlier round. And when I, if you're ever listening to, watching Wimbledon, you listen to, and I'm commentating, and you hear me going through the draw as to what might unfold for a player, that's because I've run out of things to say and I'm panicking slightly and McEnroe's frowning at me, so I think I've got to say something. So I I, I think I, I looked at the possible draw that Alcara had and how if he went all the way. So I said, well, he'll play such and such in the next round if he wins this one, then he would play such and such. Then uh, quarterfinals him, semifinals him, and the final it would be Djokovic, bish, bash, bosh. And I said that in commentary. And Henman looked at me as if I'd just, I don't know. Tell you what, this is bizarre. You just reminded me. I had a dream about Tim Henman last night. You just Bush, reminded Bush. me. Yeah, he was in really? my dream. I was asking him if he'd sold his house. I think his house is up for sale. Or possibly, I'm not sure about that, but I think it is. And I asked him if his house had sold yet. How bizarre is that? That is bizarre. So you've had a dream about uh, Tim Henman selling his house and Rory McIlroy telling you to get out of a party. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who next? Such an insight. Who's up next? Who is up next? Mabel. Anyway, Bish Bash Bosh has been used in commentary before, and I trademarked it. Uh, and the, it, it, here's one, Andrew, you've got to get in at some stage that came out last night. Reliefus Maximus, as they used to say in ancient Rome. 
Yeah, see, I heard that line, and Jen, Jen just rolled her eyes at that. I mean, it, it <laughs> no, that's it, poor. It, it is, isn't it? It does tread the line. Relievous Maximus. Yeah. Okay. So, so darts come, but the commentary at darts is in keeping with the sort of silly pantomime feeling of the whole event. I don't mean silly pantomime feeling. The pa- you know, people are there at the Alexander Palace, and they're getting absolutely hammered, and it is, it is sort of pantomime, and it's this. It, it, I mean, it, it is, it is wonderful entertainment darts and the other thing the reason it's so it's so engaging to watch is because it happens so quickly everything yeah. is just up to the bang 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 next guy up to the hockey bang 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 and it rattles through it so you think about that compared to golf i mean the atmosphere at the alley pally is probably um sort of phoenix 16th hole but it's much closer in and the pace of it going through. So not that there's anything, you know, I'm not comparing darts to golf and saying, you know, it could learn from it because that's, you know, totally different sports, totally different fields to them. But it's interesting watching that atmosphere. And, um, uh, and, and yeah, so it also has a bit of a free run of things at this time of year, darts. And it's got a very much a, you know, nobody's going to be watching darts for the rest of the year because of this. But they'll come around and watch this because it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a tradition. And Luke Littler. Well, doing Luke, great Luke things. the Nuke, who I think at some point this year is going to have to change that name because I suspect one will be dropped and it'll be unpalatable to have such mm. a such a surname. So you might have to change That's the, depressing. The type two, as as uh, someone else has suggested, which I thought was very good. Um, but his speed of play was brilliant. I think Ian, you mentioned. Imagine mm. Keegan Bradley on the hockey. I mean, it would be it would be, <laughs> it would be a troubling watch. It'd be <laughs> devastating to watch, wouldn't it? That wouldn't sell. Can you imagine. Imagine Barry Hearn trying to sell Keegan Bradley on the hockey. Uh, it'd be a nightmare. But I, I thought it was great. Luke Little, I, I don't watch a lot of darts, but I am a big fan. I have to say, I, I you know, Andrew's saying, well, we, you know, the rest of the year we won't take any notice of, of darts. But what they've done this year, I think more than, than most, and certainly since the days of Phil the Power Taylor, um, they've, they've, they've unearthed a massive star who is going to drive that sport going forward. And I do think, you know, from a golf point of view, it, I mean, it's perfect, isn't it, right now? Everyone's at home. It's it's gathered momentum over Christmas when people have got time to sit down and watch it on the, on the TV. Um, and the audience figures are huge. And Barry Hearn is, is, is trumpeting, you know, that they're bigger than golf's uh, viewing figures on Sky. I just wonder if that is ever if that is relevant, if that is going to have any kind of impact on how Sky and other broadcasters view, view golf when they can, when they can generate such huge viewing figures from a sport that is clearly much, much cheaper to broadcast. And I just wonder if there are any implications for golf there. Probably not, but it's just something that was kind of going through my head as, as Luke was bish bash boshing it um, to get through to the final. For me, the relevance is the story. And, and that's what's so great about sport is that stories are so unpredictable. And it's a bit like Leicester winning the league or Luke Litter or Ludwig or whoever it is, Tiger. The stories bring eyeballs. That's the only reason I watched was because it was a 16-year-old. I'm not interested in darts. And and that's the beauty of sport and life in general. It's the stories that create the interest. So um, you can never account for that. But that to me is where it's relevant. And, and you can't, you know, it's going to be difficult for golf to... Well, the sport needs to be able to to um, take advantage of those moments when they do arise. Yeah, it is, and it is this time of year, and it's that sort of festive feeling, and people know the darts is coming around. And I, again, I don't, I don't watch it, but I, and again, I would imagine, you know, that's why the the, the darts heroes of the the eighties and Eric Bristow and Jockey Wilson and John Lowe and, and they they were big, big, big names because it was 
actually getting, Ian talks about the big audience that it's getting on Sky. And for Sky, it is getting a big audience. But, you know, when you talk about huge audiences, it's it's not getting that. But it's doing, it's doing as Ian says, doing very, very, very well for for Sky at the moment. And just going back to what Eddie was was saying there, you're absolutely right. It is all about the stories and, the, and about the narratives. And I guess from Golf's point of view, which takes us on to perhaps the sort of substantive news of, of the moment, it is much, much harder for Golf to be able to sustain that narrative away from the majors when it is split in the way that it is. And you know, the most significant thing that hasn't happened is the signing of the framework agreement, which had that nominal December 31 deadline, and that has come and gone, and we go into 2024, and the game is still split. We'll talk about that um, that deadline passing. I just want to, we finally got Rory McIlroy in the podcast, just not our podcast. We got him on, uh, <laughs> we got him on Gary Neville's podcast. So we didn't get him on. Well, no, we just generally received the fact that he was on this podcast on the overlap with uh, Gary Neville and Roy Keane and uh, Ian Wright and Jamie Carragher. I mean, I've just listened to it. It was just fantastic. And it's another example of a player, when they're talking to somebody who they see as um, people who they've admired in their own field, you know, people who they say as equals or, you know, Rory McIlroy talking to Roy Keane and Gary Neville is always going to get a better response than Rory McIlroy talking to... Joe Schmo, uh, us, us. Well, not us. We, I mean, he would see us as uh, as equals, possibly betters. I think in the in the world of paddle, but um, but his uh, honestly, his chat. But the thing that struck me about his chat on that podcast was that, and if you get a chance, do listen to it. Um, they really need the help. Struggling the overlap podcast. Um, his it was so. Th- Thoughtful and considered and balanced, and again, I just say I hate sounding like a sort of you know, eulogizing about Rory because because he's made some he's made some mistakes in his chat about live, and but he acknowledged that, but he looks at it in a very very balanced way, and it's not we hate them and they hate us and I hate them, and and it's not black and white, and it's very nuanced and and well thought out and constructed, and it was I thought a, a sort of fascinating. Um, insight into how he thinks about it all, but also just about the status of the game at the moment. Yeah, I agree. It was a fascinating listen, Rory McIlroy, on on that podcast. And for me, it kind of reinforced that he now acknowledges that Saudi Arabia has to be part of the golf equation. I thought the the way that he described where Liv could fit into a golfing calendar in terms of being the equivalent of the IPL. So you have blocked off periods of the the calendar where that kind of team format can happen. And he made very clear that he would be up for that and would be part of it, which, you know, considering this is a guy who back in June said, I hate Liv, I still hate Liv, um, is, is a big shift. And I don't know what you think, Eddie, but, you know, I've been trying to work out why he resigned from the policy board at such a crucial moment for the PGA Tour future. And I just, I still can't help feeling that he thinks that things have to come together and there are people on that board who perhaps have more influential voices than his who don't quite see it the same way. And that's why he's, to use a darts phrase, checked out from that particular role, even though he quite rightly still insists that basically he's he's stepped down to just concentrate on his own golf. Yeah, I think I believe him when he says that, uh, the latter, that to concentrate on his own golf. And I think in that uh, interview, he also mentioned the 
the guys on the PGA Tour side of things who don't want there to be a coming together because of, you know, things that have happened in the past. Likewise, same with guys on Live who don't want to maybe come back and play on the PGA Tour because of the way they've been treated. I, I think that those two masses of people are quite substantial. And, and I think that's what makes a coming together or any sort of agreement at this point still, I'm not going to say unlikely, but I think there's a lot that needs to be ironed out and, and getting enough water under the bridge is going to be difficult because as he, as Rory said, there's, there are egos involved and, and there's more than that. There's still a lot of ill feeling out there. So uh, I think Rory is right now in the middle of, he's treading those two lines and um, treading them well and capably because he's obviously intelligent enough to do so. Um, but uh, I, I agreed with everything he said. I didn't think there was a whole lot of new things that, that emerged from what he said. And I think we would agree with uh, with almost everything he did say. So um, it'll be interesting to see where it unfolds and, and goes this year. But the fact that Rory's not going to have as much influence over it, I think is a shame on balance for professional golf. But um, equally, if that means that there's another 10, 20% of his focus going into his golf, then I think that's a good thing. Just give you the quotes from Jay Monaghan that I, I, I read in a, an article written by a guy, Ian Carter, on the BBC. Uh, so he includes Jay Monaghan's quotes in this thing. Our goal for 2024 is to reach agreements with SSG, the strategic sports group PIF, and the DP World Tour, bringing them on board as minority co-investors in PGA Tour enterprises. Do you think, I mean, do you think, well, we should do some predictions for the year. Do you think this is going to this is going to happen. It was interesting that Rory in that podcast was talking about John Ram having made what he said was, whatever he thought about it personally, it was a sound business move because he believes that Ram has seen that he can get this huge amount of money up front and yet he'll still be part of a global unified game in the in the months or, or years to come. I could see there being an agreement reached this year. Now, the details of which I think are going to remain quite opaque for a while and that, that's that'll be the key. But... I could see an agreement coming together um, beyond the framework agreement that is that is more significant than what's currently being touted. Um, but again, how it works, how we get everyone back and start on side, how, how Liv is still a part of this with them playing 14 times a year to back to Rory's point about the IPL. I mean, that was clearly always the best option, but that isn't the option that Liv pursued. And for some reason, it hasn't worked out that way. And I think there's blame on both sides for that. So, but but for it to succeed and for it to become part of the wider ecosystem, that absolutely has to happen, which is going to mean Greg Norman and the Saudis also rowing back on some of their promises to some degree, but also their their ambitions as well. So there's compromises that are going to be have to made on have to be made on all sides of this. And Saudi Arabia is going to have to have a big say in the future of men's professional golf. And in all of this, and I noted this in in the piece that I wrote for the BBC Sport website, is that, you know, any discussion of Saudi Arabia, human rights, uh, Jamal Khashoggi, all of those kind of topics that were front and centre when Liv first came on the scene, they've disappeared, just as they have with Newcastle United, with Formula One, will do with tennis. That that just shows you, to me, that that is how sports washing kind of works. Um, and that's certainly what critics would say. So there's that element um, to it. But the other element to it is that the people who ultimately are going to be making these decisions are players. Players now have the the majority say on that policy board. Tiger Woods being on that board, Patrick Cantlay, McElroy's not on there anymore. Jordan Spieth has taken his place. 
I can see why that's happened because they're members' organizations. But what we're ultimately talking about is a for-profit company that is going to emerge out of all of this. Are, are players the right people to be making these decisions or should the players be told this is how it happens because we're the, we're the business people who know how these things work? Do you see the, the the point that I'm making? Yeah, and like we said when we spoke about this with Richard Osman, my opinion is that no, the players shouldn't be in charge of making these decisions because you you hire and you pay for people like the Jay Monahans and the Keith Pellys of the world to make these decisions for you. They are supposedly the people with the skill set and the expertise based on their careers that are able to do their job and they live and die by their job and, and they should lose their job if they don't do a good one and vice versa. For me, the, the big game and the big story out looking into maybe beyond this year but out to the next five years is the relationship with Saudi Arabia the geopolitical aspect that's happening in the world I know this is a golf podcast and we want to keep it that way but if you look at what's happening in the world now um with, with the Middle East especially Saudi Arabia are going to have an increasingly important role to play in the geopolitics of the globe and I am curious to see what Western governments do as it relates not just to golf, but to sport in general and the involvement of Saudi Arabia as a sovereign state, depending on the way they act and the sides that they choose to um, cooperate with. Because whether we like it or not, the world is changing and and they are going to have they're going to be a pivotal country in all of this. So I think that's a big picture thing, but I also think it's going to have a have a say at some point in the world of sport and subsequently professional golf. Hmm. How's your swing, Eddie? Looking good? <laughs> Feeling good about the season? Or a bar. Um, Listen, we don't um, perish the thought genuinely that we would ever stick to stick to just golf. Oh, that's the name of the, their pod, isn't it? Stick to football. I think people get told to stick to... I mean, this is a golf podcast. Of course it is. But we do branch out into, into other things. And I'm going to try... My, my resolution is to try and be more, more positive. I think people are listening to... <laughs> just before Christmas, when I was going into my Christmas slough of despond that uh, I came across as reasonably negative. Uh, again, perish the thought. I'd, but, I'd um, say unreasonably negative. Mm, no, just realistically negative about certain <laughs> things. But anyway, there's a there's a, a couple of Northern Irish guys do a pod- podcast called In the Footstep of Giants, and they quite often, I think, um, uh, listen to our pod. And they said they enjoyed the last one, but um, Andrew should stop being so curmudgeonly, uh, which I think is a great word, curmudgeon. To be a curmudgeon... Um, uh, and I, I'm going to try and be less curmudgeonly. Um, and then, of course, I, I ended up looking into the origin of the word curmudgeon. I couldn't, <laughs> but doesn't nobody knows? I'm going to have to get hold of Susie Dent and did, uh, say, "Did John Huggan come up in the description?" Oh, he is curmudgeonly. But I, but I, again, I don't see curmudgeonly as being a, a criticism. I just see it as being, um, you know, it's just a Scottish, just it's a, a Scottish thing. Scottish, yeah. Actually, I think it does come from, there is a, a belief that it does come from a sort of Gaelic origin or, or, or perhaps an Irish Gaelic origin that um, uh, mujin, meaning a disagreeable person. Some people said that it was uh, from cœur méchant, evil heart in French, but that's been utterly disproved, that theory. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, Lieberman says the word must have been borrowed from Gaelic and references mujin, disagreeable person. So that is me. I got. I even got angry yesterday. Wordle was an American spelling of a word yesterday, and that nearly sent me into the abyss. I don't. I mean, was it? Yes. I got it. Yeah, I know you got what? it. I got yeah. it in row six because I thought I bet they're using the American spelling. Of oh, aging. my son! My son failed. He 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 missed it. I got it in four. Yeah, well, that's aging. Is aging is spelled with an e? Aging. Not. It's not anging. Oh, did they spell it's it A G I N G? 
Yes, oh, it's madness. That. That's not the world's word. gone mad. Yeah. That's not a word, but it is. It's uh, apparently it is. Oh, I got it because Rob- I can't spell. Brilliant. <laughs> uh, exactly. No, but it's anyway. As little Robin has settled on a fence post just outside the window here. I do like a Robin. It's just they're very quite uh, aggressive, quite, though, aren't they? Yeah. No, I was going to say bold, spunky. I was going to say they're quite always oh, gone. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> heard me talk about him. Anyway, so uh, good. That cheers the soul going forward. Right, okay, let's take a, a quick a quick break and then come back and actually talk about some other matters. This is Tyrrell Hatton. You are listening to The Chipping Forecast. If only Andrew could be as even-tempered as me. He will also be less angry this year, possibly Tyrrell Hatton. Ooh, Robin's back. Anyway, um, now, have you heard about this thing called the Internet? It is short for internal networking, I think. I don't know, actually. Now, listen, it's all the rage just now. Who knows how long it will last? One, two, five months, maybe tops. No idea. But while it's here, there is a way you can make your interneting experience even better with NordVPN. With NordVPN, you can switch your virtual location to a country which is showing a, a sporting event that you um, that you might want to watch and you can't get hold of, or you might just want to appear to be a mysterious jet setter leading a glamorous life. Um, uh, protect your private data like bank details, details that might tell the hideous truth about your non-jet setting lifestyle, and um, uh, protect your passwords and online identity. Uh, you can protect your data while traveling and using public Wi-Fi. NordVPN protects you wherever you are in the world. It really doesn't cost that much. If only there were some comparison of purchase that people could easily identify with. Like, for example, it being the price of a cup of coffee a month. Uh, one NordVPN account can be used on up to six devices. If you have family or friends around, or if you uh, are a loner watching YouTube and doing multiple bouts of therapeutic online shopping, NordVPN. A reminder as well, uh, you can grab a huge discount off your plan. Go to nordvpn.com forward slash chipping. No one ever has backward slashes. NordVPN.com forward slash chipping. That link will also give you four extra months in the two-year plan. There is no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. And the link is in the podcast episode description box. NordVPN. It's Nord and it's VPN. So there we are. Eddie off mic, off recording, has mentioned a horcrux. So he's getting more Harry Potter references in here. I think he's just churning his way through the films in the festive season. Yeah, we've just finished Order of the Phoenix. So uh, we've got the Half-Blood Prince to go. Maybe we might watch that tonight, actually. Do they not get a little bit... I I, I mean, I, I think the books... <laughs> I'm not talking about Harry Potter. I think they lost their way a bit towards the end. They got quite... Um, they got... Uh, it was like the... It's like the Star Wars films, which, you know, the original three were great. And then the next three, the prequels just were, I don't know, just I've never just terrible. So, sorry, I'm not being, I'm not being, I'm not being curmudgeonly. I think they were great. Everything, everything's amazing. You you tell me you've watched at least one of the Star Wars films, Ian. Not, not a single second of Star Wars. Never seen it. I've, I've not seen a lightsaber in my life, other than at a fancy dress party. Oh, another, well, they were doing charades. Um, so if someone was to do charades and do Star Wars, would they, would you be able to get it? The yeah. Empire Strikes what? What? I don't know. <laughs> Such a thing. What? Empire of the Sun. Right. Um, okay. Good. All right. I saw the Ferrari film, actually, the other day. That was very good. Okay. What's it about? Ferrari. Uh, Enzo Ferrari. And uh, his, his, his very interesting background. Right. Was he? I'm. I. I don't know the Enzo Ferrari story. He had a complicated, uh, a complicated 
domestic setup, I think it's fair to say, and that was the background. Was it Berlusconi-esque, was it? Yes, I think you could you could say that, yes. And um, no, it's a really interesting story, and I don't want to be a, um, you know, sort of a spoiler. So um, a rear spoiler, even. Um, so uh, well, Hang on, yeah. hang on, hang on, hang on. First, no, 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 first that's one. not worthy of the crickets. That was, that was good. I yeah. enjoyed that. All right, okay. This, I'm going this to... is a new section that Ian recommends. Well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to hold fire on the crickets for 2024. We haven't had our first one yet, but there we are. It, Ian recommends Ferrari. Right, okay, listen, we uh, we do have some golf this week on the PGA Tour. PGA Tour is up and running. Um, do you know I mean? I, I was looking at the old... <laughs> sorry, if you go back to the 70s, the European Tour ran from about April to October. Started in Portugal about the same time as the the Masters and went through to October. But the the PGA Tour has pretty much always started at this this time of year. It used to have the um, the Bing Crosby Pro Am, or they would start in in Phoenix as well around about this time of year. So they're getting going now. It's now it's Hawaii and it's going with this signature event. Twenty million dollars up for grabs, Ian. Yeah, but the big difference here is for the first time in a decade, the season is starting in. January. It's not a wraparound season that starts with the fall series. So uh, this is the start of the FedEx Cup campaign that will go through until the end of August, which actually does create gaps in the calendar potentially for the IPL kind of concept that Rory McIlroy was talking about in that podcast vis-a-vis live. So it is interesting. It is significant. It is a sign- signature event. So it is $20 million. This is the event, the century, that used to be exclusive only to tournament winners from the previous season. Now it's open to all of those tournament winners. So someone like Matt Wallace is is competing in that. But it's also open to all those who finished in the top 50 in the FedEx Cup last year. So there's a 59-man field contesting $20 million to kick off the season. So it's interesting, but no defending champion. And and here we instantaneously... Or the year before. So, yeah, yeah, so no Ram, no Smith. No, exactly. So, and, and Ram last year kicked off the year in sensational style, coming from nine back, final round 63 to beat Colin Morikawa. No John Ram there. So you're feeling the impact already of him going to... To live, I'm not saying he would necessarily have played that tournament, but it, in all likelihood, he would have done as defending champion. Yeah, um, and Cam Smith the year before won it 34 under par. Uh, it's a par 73. It's a, it's a course Kapalua plantation where they, you know, you get these 450 yard drives downhill, and people get very excited about it. It's quite often windy though as well, so I used to do quite well on uh, Tiger Woods PGA Tour game on, on Kapalua. <laughs> You just got a massive drive. Look at that one. That's my memory of Kapalua. I've only ever played it on Tiger Woods, a nice stroke average of about 49, I think, around there. (laughs) (laughs) No, but to Ian's point, it it is a bit odd, isn't it? I looked at the entry list and it didn't exactly blow me away. And and of course, this is the potential problem that the PGA Tour is going to have on some of these events this year where you know what the money they're playing for because it's it's advertised and it's spoken about now so regularly. And at the same time, you're having to kind of juxtapose that against a field that you inherently don't feel moved by apart from Ludwig, of course. And I think he's playing. So um, I, I just, I kind of hope this year for the PJ tour's sake that Ludwig really comes into prominence and starts to set some stories and maybe people like golden Sargent too. I don't know if he's even got any eligibility in yet, but, um, people like that, I think the PJ tour really need the youngsters to come through and start really making some stories. Their own Luke Littler 
Ludwig Littler. Um, so there are eight signature events. Three of them do have a cut. The Genesis, which is uh, it's uh, Riviera, is it? Riviera? Yeah, Tiger's Tournament. Yeah. He will have insisted yeah, on Bay, that. Yeah, Bay Hill. So yes, exactly. So you've got Tiger's Tournament, you've got Arnie's Tournament, Bay Hill, and you've got the Memorial Jacks Tournament. The other five, including this one, the Century, do not. Uh, as Ian said, used to be the Tournament of Champions. Started in 1953 with Al Besselink winning it. Um, at the 1965 Colonial, Al Besselink played the final four holes of his third round with a red rose plucked from a bush at the 15th hole between his teeth. Afterwards, Besselink said the gesture was a nod to the loveliness of Texas women in general and Fort Worth women in particular. So where's that Where's that gone from the game? That, <laughs> that, that, that charm. Oh, anyway, a thorny topic. Right, there we go. Thank you. Now we can have it. A thorny topic. Good stuff. <laughs> so uh, just on the other tours, um, mentioned the European tour, the DP World Tour uh, starts, it sort of starts next week, but it's the, so they have the Dubai Desert Classic in a couple of weeks' time, but next week it's the an invitational tournament in Dubai. So it's not really a start for the rank and file of the tour, is it, Eddie? No, I think it's only gone down to about 60th or so on the race to Dubai. So, um, you know, effectively half the guys who get their card last year, like myself, won't be there playing, which, um, you know, I think the condition of the event being on, actually, uh, given that it's entirely funded by, um, I think Al Nabuda is, is, is his name. He's probably got a first name too. Um, but he he's funding it and the condition was, you know, it needs to be a small field, invitational style event. Rory's playing. I think Tommy Fleetwood and Shane Larry are also playing. And so uh, for the tour, that was that was enough to put it on the schedule. So um, yeah, it's uh, it's good for those guys, obviously playing. But then for the rest of us, it'll be Dubai Desert Classic will be the first one. Mm. And the LPGA Tour starts with the Hilton Grand Vacations Tournament of Champions. There's some long names in the LPGA Tour. That's in Florida. That's a couple of weeks' time. The Ladies European Tour that doesn't get underway until the second week of February in Kenya. But yeah, the PGA Tour comes out swinging now. Twenty million dollars up for grabs in Hawaii. We should do some sort of general vague predictions for the year. Uh, or should we? No, I don't know. We'll maybe save that for, for next week. When we've actually Let's do it next it. week, yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, the prediction, will our match happen? Our match will happen. Somebody was getting at us. Donald was getting at us uh, on Twitter for, for he's, he doesn't believe this match is going to happen. Uh, it will happen. Picture the scene. The year is 2057, and Ian Carter, Andrew Carter, and Eddie Pepperell are recording another episode of the multi-award losing podcast, The Chipping Forecast. I, I think the key... The key person to agree to this match is Eddie because you know, he's the professional golfer here. I mean, we, we as, as humble amateurs, we're, we're bang up for it, obviously, but it's, it's Eddie whose you know, reputation's going on the line, uh, his time, everything. Well, it will it's, happen. It's, it's it is going to happen. And we had a, we've had offers to, to stage it and we, we A, appreciate that and B, there isn't a B, I don't know why I said A, um, but it will happen. We we are going to make it. We are going to make it happen. But yeah, uh, no. Well, the issue I've got is I'm not a member of a golf club anymore, so there's nowhere I can take us. So I'll be reliant on on going to one of your clubs, which is obviously fine. Uh, you'll get a nice advantage, but also the weather. I mean, I played on the the 30th with my dad, my brother, and my sister actually in, oh. in the Texas Scramble at Joe's Golf Club, Oxford Golf Club. It was a good day, successful. We came third. Lost on countback, actually. Oh, I saw the picture. Was that was that was that big Ron on the left of the picture? Then with these glasses askew, ruined a, what could have been a lovely photo. Um, yeah. But uh, I reckon the last time we all played together, I might have been twelve. So uh, it was nice to to get out and do it again as a family. But uh, we need the weather to to come back. I mean, I the first couple of holes the other day were just grim. So mm. yeah, no, it, it will happen anyway. 
And in this podcast in, I don't know, 2057, Eddie will be reflecting about the three majors that slipped through his fingers in the late 2020s. Ian and Andrew will be sitting in a an ex-broadcaster's nursing home uh, recording into the microphones. We think, they think they're microphones. They're actually a, a sort of broom handle and stick of celery in the uh, but, but nurses just let them do it. Ian, Ian will be eight and a half at all. all that <laughs> yeah. I'm booked in for two classes already this year. Oh, dear. They'll be rambling on about pasties. First one and the short-lived right? craze that was Padel. Oh, God, he's doing it again. <laughs> <laughs> and that one time they took a bus from Milton Keynes to Luton. And Andrew says, I wasn't on that trip. That was just you. And remember, you got off. You had a fight with the driver. <laughs> and then the nurse takes them off and says, right, enough rambling, gents. Um, good. Right. Okay. What else do we have to, to talk about? I've got a couple of apologies to do. First of all, to my father, because I besmirched his short game, which is terrible. So I've besmirched it again. But he, he was keen to point out that he's the only... The only uh, cotter with silverware, his name on silverware in the family, golfing silverware. Um, oh. he so he listens, Baf- does he? BAFTA as well. So I think he does, yeah. Yeah, so he uh, he won the winter foursomes uh, with a chap called Colin Waters, I think, and he got a little ash tree with his name on it. So, uh, But no, it's a terrible short game. Absolutely terrible. Doesn't play golf anymore, but won that. And as I mentioned... A Scottish BAFTA. Uh, what else? Uh, I, I did. Uh, someone else got in touch and said because I was talking about Barnes Wallace being a member of Effingham, and I'm sorry, I can't remember the name of the person who got in touch, but said that he actually used to try the principle of the bouncing bomb on the on the lake, which is now a lake in the final few holes at Silvermere Golf Club, as well, which is uh, interesting or perhaps not interesting. I'm not sure, but I'll, I'll let you um decide on that what else do we have to talk about um anything anything at all strikes you ian i played at royal mid surrey um a couple of months ago and i ended up playing out of a bomb crater uh down the left hand side of one of the latter holes i think 17th 16th or mm. 17th of the inner course there and there's a good. bomb crater there it's not a, not good. a good place to to, to, to end up actually to be fair if you pull it slightly left you're in you're in trouble there but and there's a okay. little plaque to tell you it's a bomb crater so uh, that's just Barnes Wallace uh, um, Barnes Wallace really, really there good yeah. more stories like that throughout 2024 from the chipping forecast which you can vote for in the sports podcast awards I don't even know what the website is and we're not giving it a hard sell um, I don't even know when the voting finishes so um, beef beef is galloping away with it just now so I did have an email. <laughs> What? What about beef? I said vote beef. Vote beef. Just, um, just being nice and altruistic and, you know, a bit different from everyone else that's into self-promotion. Well, maybe we need to just get the vegans on board with this podcast and that might up our vote. You know, oh, anti-beef tell vote. you something else. Oh, Nigella Lawson over Christmas. Did you see her her programme? I made no, I this uh, micro based in Yeah, yes. well, it was based in, in Amsterdam and she made this chicken biryani and I, I I watched it. I said, I'm going to make that. I made it. Yeah, it took me two days to make. And then because my wife doesn't eat, it was just you saying about the vegans, because my wife doesn't eat meat, I then had to do a butternut squash version as well. It took me hours upon hours, but my God, it's lush. Seriously, really, really good. I just That's all from the chipping forecast <laughs> this week. <laughs> I just wanted to share that. Come on, you Actually, know. I, it's, it's no, no, no. It's we, we, I thought we were a golf podcast. We're not. Oh, we're, not we're barely a podcast, Eddie, at the moment. There's no golf um, to talk about yet. I shared a studio with Nigella Lawson once in Simon Mayo's programme on, on Five Live, and uh, she produced a little uh, squeezy tube of mustard from her handbag. Um, says, I never travel anywhere without my mustard 
because she might like to spice up sandwiches. And I was so smitten with Nigella Lawson. I sort of, I just went, nah, I do that as well. I don't do that, but I just wanted to. Um, anyway, that's my Nigella Lawson story. Email from Jan Garrett. Dear Andrew, Eddie and special guest, I discovered you in October. Ah, and I'm so delighted to be part of the TCF family. Um, I'm a 75-year-old ex-lady captain of a club in Worcestershire. Maybe not your usual customer profile, but I absolutely adore your podcasts. Mm. You compliment each other so well except for in this episode, and send me off to sleep beautifully. Oh, it's, it's taken a, a negative turn, this email. Um, no, that's a good thing. I've always enjoyed the soap opera of golf and felt abandoned when former heroes, Poulter, Westwood, and Garcia defected to live her. She doesn't write her, I've added that effect. But now my horizons have been broadened. I appreciate the way in which you refer to women's golf too. Three weeks ago, I broke my left arm above the elbow after a stupid fall. Oh, um, it's quite a soap opera, this email. Uh, TCF has been an absolute godsend since then. I would probably nominate it as my special subject if I went on Mastermind. Can you imagine? Oh, I can. Uh, see what a sad case I am. You're not a sad case at all, but for me it hits the spot. A great combination of humour, honesty, and yes, some golf. And then it says something something nice about me. Oh, I mean, that. presumably her arm's in a sling, so no wonder she likes listening to you so much, Andrew, with your short arm. Oh, I can't believe Eddie's got one of these as well. Crickets. <laughs> Good luck to you in 2024, says Jan. You deserve all the honours up for grabs. Thank you very much, Jan. There we are. So we'll. We, all I can promise is throughout 24, we will be here and we will get better. But uh, we're up and running. What, what's the email address? Oh, yeah. Sorry. See, for example, um, the chipping forecast at foldingpocket.co.uk. That's the chipping forecast at foldingpocket.co.uk. Right. Um, I think we'll leave it there. Ian looks... <laughs> he's either confused or he's waiting to say something. No, 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 no. I've, not, I've not got anything in that Good. regard. I just, right. It just crossed my mind. I mean, there's, there's, we've, we've, we've wibbled on about all sorts of different topics, um, but the darts will be gone and the golf is, is about to get underway. And, yeah, I'm really looking forward to, to the, the new season. And I think we could be in for some, some really cracking stuff. And let's hope that it's the stuff on the course rather than the off the course that, that dominates our conversations as 2024 develops. Yeah, I mean, I get the impression we need the golf to start up again. <laughs> I think everybody gets that impression. We'll see you again next week and we will we'll be better. Bish, bash, bosh. Bash. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>